0: Want to let's go and declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart, He's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. Let's open our Bibles. Let's just, um, I want to share something. I have not uh, felt right to get back to our main Saturday teachings that we've been having for some time. So today, as I was meditating on what we would discuss, I felt that we should just um, complete what we began last Saturday. And I, a thought just kept on staying in my mind every time my mind went to it, And I realized that that's likely what the Lord wants us to explain. So I'm going to do that. All right, let's talk about bitterness. I just want to continue from that point. I want to talk about bitterness and explain some things about it. And the reason why we have to cure our hearts. That's what the Bible calls Uh, defilement of flesh and spirit. You must bear that in mind. The spirit can be defiled. One thing about um, having the right doctrines, you know, sometimes we have been taught before that if you're a Christian, the impression we're given is as if everything is just okay with us. That is, your spirit is pure, you have been renewed in Christ Jesus, and all of that. But, you know, the Bible doesn't, you have to read what the Bible calls the whole counsel of God. Even though he says you have been redeemed, you will see, and we'll look at it again today. There was a time Peter looked at a man who the Bible testified, gave his life to Christ, and he was baptized. And he told him he was still in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. Now, when you talk about gall of bitterness, the word, you know, gall, they tell you about something that's bitter. It was in the bitterness of bitterness. I don't know whether you're getting my point. And this is a man who had given his life to Christ. Paul who taught us most of the things we know these days concerning new creation realities, he still wrote to the Christians and said to them, cleanse yourselves yourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. I see Christians preach sometimes as if to make it look as if, that is, they give the impression that in Christ Jesus everything is perfect with them, so they don't have to worry, in quotes, not buy anything, just live their lives normally. And anything that is wrong, they should just take it like one of those things that you know really doesn't matter. So their sins don't matter; they they cannot backslide. You know, there's a, there's a way you hear it. People actually say that you, you you cannot think sin at all. So anything you do for because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, it cannot be sin. And if it was sin, it's not, not going to affect you in any way. Now that doctrine cannot be correct if you read the Bible, like I was saying. Look at the whole counsel of God. All right, Paul will write to Christians and say, and he will say to you. That there is immorality amongst you. The type that I don't even see amongst unbelievers. You, some one of you took his father's wife. And my problem is not just that individual. And the rest of you are comfortable with it. And they rebuked the church. Do you get my point? And at the point in time, he cast that fellow over to Satan. For the destruction of his flesh. And he made it clear that that guy who now went into sorrow. Now, you see him tackle real things amongst believers. He did not pretend as if nothing goes wrong. This is the same person that taught us everything. We know, most of the things we know about this new creation thing. He will write that here there are divisions amongst you. And he's explained to them that that shouldn't be. Paul addressed issues in the lives of Christians. He did not just tell them that don't worry, in Christ Jesus everything is perfect. He never, he never gave that impression. He didn't live like that. But sometimes, of course, this is what happens. You will see him teach what God made you to be in Christ. And those things are supposed to be set in front of you as a goal. That is the actualization of it for the thing to become real in your life. For example, a man like John, we write that if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. The truth is not in you. And you see, at the same time, you say, whosoever is born of God does not... Well, let me use the explained translation does not practice sin, does not walk in sin. Or John is trying to say to you, each time God opens your eye, you will see where where you are falling short of God's glory. When you understand that, you confess your sins, you don't stay in it. You don't make excuses and remain in it. If truly you are born of God, Peter will write, he will tell you, let these qualities be yours and increasing. So he realizes that these qualities can be in you, but they are not perfect. So they have to continue to increase. So you see, this man taught us to take our spirituality very seriously and not to be lackadaisical about it as if everything is just perfect the way we are. Paul will write and expect us to grow in grace, that was Peter was speaking, and the knowledge of God. We are supposed to grow. What does that mean? We are not perfect the way we are right now. If you can improve, that means today you are not perfect. Please let's bear these things in mind because sometimes I I, I see the Christian doctrines. I grew up with some of them, but we quickly learn to balance them. All right? People now make it look as if no. I I, I hear those teachings. Balance it. There are two sides of a coin. There are so two sides of a coin. People explain to you sometimes that what you need to be saved is believe, and that is not a lie, except that the Bible did never give the impression. Now people say to me that repentance is not necessary for salvation. That is when you are when you are. When you are saved, then the old things will start passing away from your life bit by bit, which is not totally wrong, but it's not, you can't say that repentance is not necessary for salvation just because the Bible says only believe. And the reason is because the Bible did not realize, the people who use the word repent did not understand, they needed to tell some modern day Christians that repentance and believing are two sides of the same coin. So you will find that Paul will, will preach repentance. Jesus will preach repentance. Peter will preach repentance. And he'll tell you, this is the repentance that leads to salvation. The reason is because as far as we're concerned, there is no believing without repentance. I was listening to, uh, I think it was Paulson. I was listening to him a few nights ago. And there's a story I've heard him uh, say before, but he narrated it again. About a young lady who came, in fact, he went to preach somewhere somewhere in Scotland, and the lady said to him, young lady, that, listen, you, you are really messing me up. He said, what have I done? That you make, it, you make it necessary. I mean, when I hear you preach, I want to be a Christian. So i mean, in this pressure. I want to be a Christian, but I can't be. I've been praying, I've been trying. So David Paulson said, as she was speaking, he, of course, he was praying, which is a proper thing. If you're a minister, you minister to people. As people are talking to you, they're asking questions. You should be praying in your heart so that God can give you something. Instantly, he had a word of knowledge. And just asked the young girl simply. What she was saying is that she, she's trying to be a Christian, but she can't. I don't know what she meant by that, but the thing doesn't seem to be working out. So just, he asked her, there was, this was not word of knowledge. He just asked her, oh, the guy you are living with. He didn't know this ahead of time. He just asked her directly, the guy you are living with, are you married to him? And he said no. Aha. Uh-huh. The man said that is a problem. He explained to her simply that, listen, yeah, this is the way it works. As a Christian, you cannot be living with a man you're not married to. And he said, you are living like husband and wife. The woman, the young lady accepted, you know, confessed that to be true. He said, well, Jesus does not accept that. She said that uh, she has spoken to him and the guy said that he doesn't believe in marriage. That is just a certificate. Just a piece of paper. Person did not argue on whether it's a piece of paper or it's not a piece of paper. His own is that Jesus says no. And that that has been the problem. You know, and you know what we preach these days? What we say is that don't worry. Come as you are. That is not true. That is not true. Come as you are is as you are until you get there. When you get to the cross, you will not be as you are. You can't cross that cross as you are. Said so the young woman, listen, before I tell you what he said to her, salvation has a cost. These days we preach as if it doesn't have a cost. It has a cost. And I don't mean a cost to Jesus. I mean a cost to the person being saved. Salvation will cost you your job sometimes. In such a manner that if you don't give up that job, you are not saved. You know, you know we preach this gospel. You know, if it's, That's why churches are full and people are not changed. That's why you have churches that are full. The choir, Bobo, is a certified fornicator and an, an adulterer. He's sleeping with those girls in the choir. The pastor knows he can't sack him because he's too talented. I went to a church once. I saw the guy in the choir. One day I just I was with a guy, I told my wife, I said, this guy is not born again. Talented. Whether uh, it's with, with his voice or playing, the, I told my wife, this fellow is not a Christian. And he was leading the choir in the church. I told my wife, this guy is not a Christian. He released an album at the time. People were playing the songs everywhere and refused to play it. Some of the songs, worship songs, I said, me, sing to his song. I said, he's not born again. Then later on, Jesus had my wife remembered that, my, wife, my husband said this years ago, that this guy is not a Christian. What I, I think maybe after that he now gave his life to Christ, I don't know. But the days I knew him, I said, this guy is not a Christian. But was a choir leader. How do I know he was not a Christian? Is he, well, I don't know how I knew, let me not go by there. But how did my wife get convinced when she heard the kind of things he was doing? But you know, they will tell them a lot of times, listen to me. A lot of people who go to church, I'm not, I'm not joking about this, they are going to hell. I know who's at fault, people like us who lie to them, who give them the impression that there's not that this salvation is free. So when you come to Christ, you don't have to really do anything. So you see, people you see, young ladies live in, in an adulterous relationship with a married man, and from there they're coming to church every Sunday. The man maintains them, pays their house rent, you know, so they take care of them, and they are from there coming to church every Sunday. And if somebody says that she's born again, it's just that. Uh, which lie are you telling to her? And then the more you lie to her, the more she stays in the church. Especially when you now tell her that your seed, your sacrificial giving, will speak for you in heaven. There are people who are giving aggressively. They are trying to buy their way out of hellfire. And the pastor, which of course beginning from this year, God will begin to judge... You know, they will not tell the truth simply because the offering is too good. There are people who mount the pulpit. I'm not lying what I'm telling you. They mount the pulpit with the intent that the offering must be good for today. I've been to many places to preach and they've insinuated things like that for me. One day somebody told me that, uh, please, I was told to tell you that the offering, the, your message, uh, whether it can uh, be used to, you know, beef the, um, I look at the guy like that. I said, "I want to ask you a question." He said, well, I says, "Your head walking. Are you are, are you mad?" That was the question I asked him. I said, "Are you mad?" People do it. I've heard of pastors who check how good the message was by how much the offering is. When they finish preaching, they now go and check the uh, um, ushers. How much was it? And they check. Is okay it means the message was good. If the offering is low, it means the message was bad. Say so what did I say that offended people? And they are afraid to offend people. And for their listen. Some people, eh? <laughs> judgment day, Jesus would just say, bring me the blood, the blood list. These are the, bl- people, the blood of people I want to require from you. Why is that? This one came to your church five years. Was a great giver. Did you ever tell him to give your life to Christ? Did his wife not come to you twice to report that this guy is an adulterer? A pastor's wife asked my wife one, one, one day. Just when she found out my wife was a pastor's wife too. They were not talking. How does your husband handle things like this? One of the things that she wanted to know how they would handle is when deacons in the church are found out to be adulterers, what do you do? So my wife was confused, like, what do you mean, what do you do? Is that not straightforward? You're the person now. I mean, is it not a straightforward? Do you get my point? Hey, the woman said, no, these are the pillars of the church. These are the rotten pillars of the church. These are the corroded iron pillars of the church. These are the reasons why the church will collapse and collapse on your head. But they're not going to look for a doctrine. Say, I finally found salvation. Salvation that will excuse all these sins. Not that I say Christians don't make mistakes or we don't do what is wrong, that's not what we're trying to say. But we'll never sit in it. If you always sit in sin and you don't change, you are not born again. Stop lying to yourself. You need to go and baptize. You know, they need to go and baptize you in real water. Pour you in. the one with the crocodile. So once you are going in, you know that I may not come back alive. Come on. We need to get serious. as the point I'm making. We need to get serious. We need to understand that this Christianity must be taken seriously. And I feel like I explained to us again. Let's bear it in mind. Though. Hmm. Let me use the words of Pastor Courage one day we were talking. He said, this is our God evokes you. And he said it after one day we were having a chat on our I think our my alumni fellowship group. People were saying all kinds of things. He shook. He said like, do these guys realize that Jesus gets angry? Do we realize that he gets angry and he disciplines people? Sometimes we behave as if he doesn't. What am I going to say? Let's bear it in mind. There is perfection in Christ, amen? Amen. That is what he made us to be. But we have not attained it. We live as if we haven't. We live as if if it's a goal. Which you place in front of us every day. And we are walking towards that goal. Paul said, what do we do? We constantly cleanse ourselves of all defilement. It's a constant cleansing. The spirit can be defiled. We preach spirit, spirit sometimes to Christians as if, you know, your spirit, your spirit. Have you heard this before? A Christian spirit cannot have an evil spirit that you can be possessed. A Christian cannot be possessed. And a Christian can only be oppressed. Or obsessed, or influenced. You know the truth? It doesn't, it's not true. What we don't realize is that darkness and light can struggle for space. Paul made it clear there can be what? A defilement of what? Spirit. And funny enough, the word possessed, actually in the Bible, the way we use it hardly exists. It's King James that uses the word possessed. And what King James calls possessed, you know, if you read modern translations, is not to be taken over. It means to be influenced one way or the other by demonic spirit. The one that we in our minds think is being possessed, literal Greek we tell you the person is under a demon or under the influence of a demon. So, what we call possessed in our modern day talk, that is our contemporary Christian language, the Bible actually says to have a spirit or to be. Under the influence of the spirit. They didn't use the word possessed. The one the Bible uses the word possessed, King James, means to be afflicted one way or the other. So, simple, so you hear that somebody was possessed with a deaf and dumb spirit. What, what is it? He can't talk. He's normal otherwise. What am I going to emphasize? We, don't, let's not get into this unnecessary comfort zone. We have to be on our guard every day. We have to be. We have to watch our, our backs every day. We have to constantly watch ourselves. Satan, listen, how many times did he tempt Jesus Christ? Hey, wait, 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 don't tell me three. He didn't tempt him three, time. he didn't tempt him three times. In fact, read a man like Bollinger. Bollinger believes that that temptation, the, what do you call it now? Turn the stones to bread. Jump from somewhere. Bow to me. That trio of temptations... Bollinger believed that that trio happened twice. And that's why the account in Luke would be different from the account in Matthew. Because they're not repeating the same account. In one, what is number three in the other is number two. Bow to me was number two. And that man said, is, uh, that was number three. Bollinger said, except there is a conflict, except there is a disagreement, except they are not inspired by the spirit, they can't be talking about the same thing. What I want you to take away from there is that he tempted Jesus Christ, he won the three temptations, he came back again. And the Bible says he departed from him until an opportune time. He was looking for the opportunity all the time. But we easily think that's all the temptations Jesus Christ faced. That's not all. He faced many other temptations. They called him out. They tried to remove him from ministry. There were temptations for bitterness, which is what I want to talk about. Not the temptation, I mean, I mean the bitterness issue. They, they, they instigated his mother against him. There were other temptations. Things like, come and be our ruler. Come and do a job that is not yours. He said, who made me a judge and an arbiter over you? It was a temptation. Forsake the main assignment God gave you to start doing something else. It was a temptation. The temptation did not leave him one day. Satan kept on, as the multitude was following him, Satan was following him like that too. They go like this, he goes there too. All kinds of temptations, all kinds. And he made it clear to the disciples, even though I've washed you and you are washed properly, but you still need your feet washed. What does that mean? Every day you go out, you pick up dust. You pick up defilement of flesh and spirit. You pick up defilement so that every day you have to constantly be cleansing yourself. Otherwise, and people think, listen, we have to get this clear. There are consequences if you don't. God wrote your destiny, you will not f- fully fulfill your destiny except we do, you do these things that we are saying. The degree to which you leave your spirit defiled is the degree to which your destiny will not be fully fulfilled. We talk sometimes, if there are no consequences, there are consequences. There are consequences. There are consequences. There are consequences. If God says, do this, do that, you don't do it. See, sin has categories. We discussed it on one of our Bible studies. Sin people, sin is sin. If I tell you now, write an essay. Sin is sin. Discuss. All unrighteousness is sin. True of us. But there is a sin that does not lead to death. That's not what John said. That immediately tells you that sin is not sin. There is sin that leads to death. There is sin that doesn't lead to death. Jesus will tell you there is a sin against the Holy Spirit that cannot be forgiven. So certain sins are forgivable, certain things are not forgiven. That lets you know automatically that all sins are not the same. Even though all unrighteousness is sin, but they come in different categories. There are sins that condemn people. Most of the ones we commit everyday Christians, they don't condemn us. They just, they just truncate our destinies. They cut little pieces of our lives off. God ordained that you should be able to do a hundred years in this life and fulfill this, this, and this, and this for me. As long as you live, that's why you're on the earth. At the age of 80, the person dies, we say, for a life well lived. At the age of sixty-five, he's dead, he for a life well lived. But now he starts, to, you know, say it's not the length, it's the is the quality. You know, we start to say all kinds of things. Jesus said, This was that's your problem. This guy died because he's too disobedient. I'm not going to discuss that with you, it's between me and him. One man of God, a prophet, a, a big prophet himself. And that prophet was told this man is going to die so and so and so time. Why? He's teaching what is wrong. Did you hear what I said? His teachings are wrong. He's leading the body of Christ astray. So he will die. That is, if he had been teaching what was right, he would not have died. That is why when I want to preach eh, in fact, you know, there's something that does me once in a while. And I want to say some things. I say, <laughs> would this all offend somebody? If the answer is yes, I'll quickly say it. You know why? <laughs> so that I will not be afraid of man. Then Jesus will be, you know, you know as, you are, as you are preaching, Jesus is at the door. Just wait. Say, Bank, you don't finish. Come here. You hear, Wah! sorry, sir. Go back. Go and start again. Say that thing that you didn't want to say. You are afraid somebody will be offended. That's why sometimes you see when I want to talk. At the beginning, I say, please, oh, I came here to offend people. Oh. If you don't like me, log out. You know, I like the kind of ministry God gave me. People have the kind of, different kinds of ministries. I have a ministry where I don't count number. I don't count offering. No, I don't. Really. How many people come to Kingdom World? It's not my business. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a very nice guy. None of these things move me. Maybe they move me. It's just that it's not necessary for my ministry. You know what's most important for my ministry? This thing. What is it? Microphone. Thank you very much. You know what's most important? The recording machines there. And this modern day, internet. So if all of you decide that I don't like Pastor Bank again, in Rwanda, what do you concern me? I will stand here. My wife can't go anywhere. You know, there was a time, Jesus. <laughs> a lot of my children, they will come to church by force. Otherwise, no food, no school fees. So what are they going to do? So I already have a congregation. There was a time I, the- I didn't have a congregation. It was just my wife. Many of the things we heard on radio. Hmm? I preached to only her. She's sitting on the bed like this. I'm standing like this. I- the whole of here. they don't know. She's not on the bed. I have my mic in my hand and I'm preaching to her and I'm timing it. As some of these men here, we meet in my sitting room and we'll preach and we'll broadcast the messages worldwide. So that's why I'm, when I say that I don't count crowd, it's not because I'm too disciplined. Just that It's not necessary. You that came here is for your own good. If like you don't come next week, I only check on you just to check, be sure you are not sick. There was a lady once. I, I saw her. Please, oh, I've not seen you anywhere in Kingdom World. She didn't know. I I, I feel like they it. The you, you, you know, guess oh. He said, you know, she washes on Saturday evenings. I said, okay. Now she didn't know that I was worried that she was ill. So when she told me that I'm not sick or guy, they wash cloth. Eh, hey, eh, we'll keep on washing cloth now. If you carry it to heaven, what's my business? The Lord is good. What am I going to say? That is why I look. For me, my ministry is very easy because if I offend you, you go away. Have you? My microphone cannot go away. We bought it with more and if this one goes away, we buy another one. If that one spoils, we buy another one. <laughs> Those who, oh God, if God wants to bless you, your minister. He gives you my kind of ministry. So I will say anything I want to say. You know, you know, you know, you know how they abuse people for here. Anything anything I like, I say. (laughs) Anything I like, I say. Because I need to preach the truth. Because I have not withheld from you the whole counsel of God. I give you the whole counsel. Anything I know will be beneficial to you. I did not refuse to say it. There are preachers that they kept on saying it, cutting it small, small. Now Jesus know what he did. He killed them. He said this man is leading people astray. So he told another prophet. At the end of 1965, I am going to remove him. Early 66, he will be gone. He will be no more. December, around Christmas, a drunken driver jumped his car and killed him. And when of par- 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 pastors head, they rushed to pray. I oh, she just, she just remembered that the Lord told me this will happen five years ago. So he just went by. Everybody was praying. He, he sat down. His wife said, what's going on? He said, the Lord said he's going to die. They were there praying, praying. They didn't join them to pray. Hagin said God came to him. Jesus came to him in a vision. And said, better be happy I broke you. Well, let me just put it this way. That your hand broke. dislocated his elbow badly. He said, because the way you were going, you would not have lived beyond the age of 57. And he was in his 30s. He said, because I called you to be a prophet and a teacher. Because people don't understand the prophetic office, you stop prophesying. So he decided to be a teacher alone. No, Wahala. Continue teaching and you will die at the age of. He said you will not have lived beyond the age of 57. People think that these things don't matter. They do matter. Eli who said, if I flatter people with my mouth, my maker will soon take me away. If you tell lies, you die young. People don't get it. The blood of Jesus does not cover it. It does not. In fact, what did they say? If we keep on sinning willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remain no more sacrifices for such things. What is wrong with people? Every day you have to cleanse yourself. It's a daily activity. You wake up every No, say, oh boy, if I don't do this one. You know people, you know, you say don't smoke. People say, okay, okay you know their health matters. Go and jog, jog, jog. People they jog up and down, running up and down. You know the truth? Many people are jogging up and down. They have not even checked them. Their spirits have not jogged. Their souls have not jogged. Their bodies are up and around are, are the square. Jog your spirit first. Put your spirit, shake it, find out what is wrong with it. That will kill you faster than your overweight. After all, there's what you call obesity paradox in medicine. You can go and Google it. up. They found out that as thin people they die, and so fast they die. In fact, they found out that fat people were living longer than the thin, thin ones. That's what they call the obesity paradox. They say why? There has been all kinds of stories about it. That maybe because of the noise about, uh, because of that noise, uh, uh, they, they now they check themselves. Where well, is it's not true? They say, look, nobody understands. Basically, jogging is not what keeps people alive. If you don't lie with your mouth, if your spirit is pure, you understand? All other things will be added onto you. But we leave our spirits polluted, diluted, <laughs> messed up, and think we can jog into a long life. We don't seem to care. And somebody will come and teach you as if, whatever you do. Listen, Christians' destinies have been cut off every day. That's the point I'm making. You live with bitterness in your heart, your destiny is going. That's what I'm trying to explain. You will keep lying on your lips, your destiny is going. You walk in sexual immorality, your destiny is dead. I mean, it's being killed every day. God will say, you will achieve 100 units of spiritual excellence for me. You do 30 and you're dead. The one that everyone pays the most, that's not even the problem. Some people, they are alive, but they are useless. My wife and I were talking today about some experiences she had with somebody. I said, how can a human being live like that? Everybody knows you are a liar and a thief. And you are growing and you are having children. Everywhere you step into, doors will close closed for you. And you supposedly go to church? You still offering money, you teach people money, you take that damn people I, I, I told my wife, I'm worried in quotes now for such people. How do you live? How do you live? Does it not concern you that you have to be a blessing to people? And let me just let me just drop him one by the side. As a human man, ask yourself, do people like me or they don't like me? Now when I say like me, now I don't mean that uh, am I popular, am I jay-z? That's not what I'm going to say. Because all these one, all these people are following, they say some people have 20 million followers on Twitter. They don't know them at all, they only know they are bomb-bomb. They are bust and their face. Kim Kardashian. That's not what I mean by people liking you. You dress up there's nothing real that's not what I mean. When I say people liking you, this is what I mean. Your name, does it smell nice? Like a like a perfume. On where you are coming, people are dodging. They want to do business. When they see your name, the business they pull out. They people want to do business now, they say, aha, uh-huh, okay, bro, come on and join us. Ah, nice idea. They say, oh, that people. they oh, no, they, no, do it again. You are not known for anything you impact into people's lives. Ah, no, check it out. You don't have to be rich to be that. It's just an attitude. That's what I call the giving attitude. So we're just analyzing that person. I said, how do people live like this? You're just a negative on this edge. You know what they call short one? Did you ever play set? Did you ever play set? Oh, You know? Five guys on this side, five boys, five boys here, five boys there. Secondary school football with all kinds of um, uh, ball. Did, did you ever make football? We used to make ball. You melt rubber. You keep melting the rubber and wrapping it until it is big. We did that also. The ball that you kick this way to go down <laughs> because of contour. There are people that they just enter your team. They say, hey, short one. Their presence is a negative. Oh, nobody go past to them. Five years, five. They'll just be playing four against five. <laughs> you, you need to put him because he's a guy. He's one of the boys. I mean, what are you going to do? And maybe not even get the ball himself. <laughs> so you short one and bring ball, he must play. <laughs> he must play. What are you going to do? But in your spirit, you're, oh, God. You're hoping you'll get tired and go and sit down. So, I mean, why should somebody be a short one on this earth? That's the point I'm making. I ask yourself, why should I be short one? Negative influence everywhere I go. Listen, what am I say? People's destinies are being cut off every day, because they do not sit down. Ah, in Christ Jesus, and this, and Christ Jesus, and this. Listen, there are different aspects of the word of God. There are two of them. I, I, that, well, they are the most, two most important. Number one, there are promises. People will sit down on promises. Number two are precepts. Principles by which you walk, of which the promises mean nothing if you don't fulfill the precepts. Many people just sit down quoting promises. They don't know precepts. They don't care about precepts. They don't discipline themselves to walk in godliness. They don't understand that godliness is exercise. Ah, it's exercise. It's exercise. You work hard towards it. It's exercise. You, you, you know, you are stressing yourself. Now, what I'm trying to say. So, let's be careful. Defilement of spirit cost of our destiny. Like I said, sin comes in different categories and different di- di- uh, d- different weights. Yes, that's a good word. Different weights. So, what we need to do is to cleanse ourselves of all of them. Walking in them has consequences. And I, once I, if you, when I was writing the book, um, um, Great Faith Can Be Yours. The TV behind me was on and, and I got to a particular point. I was writing. I wasn't really paying attention. This man was preaching on TV, um, Billy Graham. And he just said something. He said that those who work in sexual immorality cannot have faith. And I was just writing something along that at like that point in time. If you read the book, there's a particular line I quoted. I said the TV behind me right now is on. And these are the words of Billy Graham. Sometimes people think that faith is just to close your eyes, stubbornly refuse to change your mind about what you want from God. That's not faith. There's a book I'm working on. Hopefully my, my, my desires so is that come out before the end of the year. I don't know whether that will work. I don't want to rush the proofreading and all of that. But if not, early next year I should be out. I'm talking about faith, again. The people who most understand, there's a capacity to believe. It's not about knowledge primarily. No matter how hard, you know, the most intelligent um, animal on this earth is which one? The most intelligent animal. You can give a category. Are the monkeys, right? You know, the apes. They are very, very intelligent. They are very intelligent. But they don't talk, they don't speak a language. You don't hear them learn Swahili, even though they are in Africa. They don't learn Hausa. They can speak English, they can stay with you forever. A parrot speaks better than them. You know parrots can speak? Oh, you don't know that? Parrots speak. You don't know what they are saying? I hope you know that. (laughs) They just, God has wired their brains to their voice boxes to echo whatever they hear. If they hear something, they can say. But monkeys, with all the intelligence, they have the largest brains out there. They can't talk. Why? God didn't put the talk in them. So it's not about. There's no amount of effort you put in. Your monkey is not going to talk. The only monkeys I've seen talk was in movies. Of course. Fiction. Make believe. It's like faith. That's how faith is too. It's not the amount of information you have. If God has not given you the spirit of faith, try from now to tomorrow, you won't get it. There are things you do. That allows your heart to be able to receive faith. Please let me emphasize what I'm going to say here, alright? That we must bear in mind that our spirits must be kept pure. Otherwise, our destinies have been changed every day. You can't just you, you disobey God and you get away with it. You, listen to me. Let me tell you something about God. This is how he is. Eh? He must punish disobedience. Otherwise, he's not God. Is not a just God. See, Pastor what are you say, I am saying you will be punished for your disobedience, except you confess and repent. There is no confession, except it is accompanied by repentance. And then that is now covered by the blood of Jesus. And let me warn you, you can't say, let me disobey first, and I will confess later. That one, there is no forgiveness for it. Suppose what do you mean, listen, listen, let me tell you the truth. I will preach a correct gospel. I'm not trying to collect your offering. So, you want to get angry? Vex. You can't go to God. Say, I will disobey you, then I will confess. Because there's no problem. I will punish you, then I will forgive you. That's what he does. That's what he does. In his mercy, you know, he's very merciful. Let me not forget that before you get scared. He can, he can reduce the punishment. Say, I won't kill you, but I will flog you. I will make you. One thing is this. Listen to this. Listen to this. He will make you wish you never did it. That one is guaranteed. One thing is guaranteed. He will make you wish you never disobeyed. That one is clear. And that obviousness, you can see, is a trait of what? Love. Is love. Is love. That's why, listen, parents, if you are raising children, make them hate disobedience. There's nothing being so. You are, you are destroying them if you cannot inculcate into them that disobedience is bad. They must hate disobedience. They must. Ben Carson said something. He said, young people, he said, I want to live my life. He said, the problem is this. He said, no rules. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Very common, especially in the homes, you know, father has run away or he's not doing his duty and all of that. And then, you know, mothers generally, they are good people, but God put more softness in them than in the men. And if you are a man, you are too soft. You are not doing your work. You are going to firm up a bit become slightly wicked. Are you getting my point? <laughs> Just small wickedness. Not too much, yo. If you flog a child on the bomb bomb, you know what? He will never die. Guy used to say, he's crying, eh? Who no go cry before? They didn't burn the Peking cry. When they burn Peking, nobody cry, they cry. You, you no go burn now because of that? They say, hey, this baby is crying. Please go back into the mother's womb. Who does that? Ben Carson said, you see, these young boys, they don't listen to instructions, they do what they want to do. You, say, you know what happens to them at the end of the day? They end up in the place where they are told when to get up, when to sleep, when to bathe, when to eat, when to exercise. All the rules of life. That is, they have no freedom anymore. They have rules for everything. Where's that place? Prison. He said, because they wouldn't obey simple rules earlier in life. What am I trying to say? You you should help children to hate disobedience. And that's what a good father does. If you deliberately disobey God, he will make sure you don't do it again. You hear what I say? If God says they are sharing money, don't take it home. Don't join in stealing this money. You say, Lord, you know things are bad. You collect the money because there's no problem. No, wahala. If what you got from that deal is 25,000 naira. Within a month, as a Christian, you will need a hundred thousand to get out of trouble. And he won't give you. He said, No, I'm forgiving you. He said, Lord, I'm very sorry. He said, "Ah, Me too, I'm very sorry. Everybody is sorry. Angel gave me, are you not sorry? He said, Lord, we're all sorry. We are all sorry. Yeah. We're all sorry here. We say, I mean, sorry is our portion. Don't worry about it. But I will leave you in such a body that next time you see 25k, you will run. You will need a hundred and you won't find it. After you have run up and down for like three months, finally, you will will still find that 100,000. You will carry cement. Are you getting me? Your most precious, he knows the shirt you like the most. He will make you sell it. He will collect it. That phone, you will sell it. Then when you are broke, then you will not get out of the trouble. You know why? It's your destiny. He's protecting your destiny. These how people who sell their birth rights. You say you are sorry, that is why he didn't die. Because... Listen, go and watch David. When David killed Uriah, you know what happened to him? <laughs> so everything is okay. First, Bathsheba. God said, David, she I be warning you? Let me just let you know. David took Bathsheba because he's been chasing women for a long time. Chasing women is bad. It has always been bad. Humanizing legitimately is bad. You know what I mean You know what I mean by legitimately? Okay, let me explain. You have know, many wives. You married them. David, Solo. It has been bad forever. Go and check it. The only problem Abraham had is what he, with, the, with, the, with the concubine. If you to say, Abraham, just manage. Listen, men, just manage. Amen? Amen? Do whatever you want to do to enjoy your wife. Otherwise, you will suffer. Okay, nan? Suffering is abundant for a man whose eye cannot stay in one woman. In Jesus' name, amen. No, me. I read my Bible, found it like that. Anyway, that bad habit exploded in the life of Solomon. Boy, it was already blowing up in the life of David. That was how he got to Bathsheba's matter. You know the story of Bathsheba. I don't want to sit on that, all right? But this is where I'm going. Bathsheba, <laughs> I get a spirit in body. He just get belly. Phew! People are looking for belly. Ten years. <laughs> oh Lord <laughs> David now said okay how do we handle this at that point he knew to turn back but he said we will tell God sorry that's where I'm going so he killed Raya Nathan came and he knew David very repentant Lord I have sinned against you God said I know that's why Nathan came I'm aware you sinned against me he said but I will forgive you now I'm very merciful Are he said, your sin has been taken away. What is the meaning of that? You will not die. Nevertheless. You know, by the time God was done with David, if he had lived another many years, no Bathsheba in this universe could tempt him. What David suffered, that's what I'm just begging you. Don't joke with God. Though. He said, go and take, don't go and take money that's not your own. You took it. God said, okay, I will give you one month to return it. Say, I don't have money now. Go and tell the person you took it. Say, good afternoon, sir. Please, that money, me and my guys, we shared your money. Where is it? Right now, I don't have. So I'm going to give you my trouser and walk away with boxers as proof of repentance. (laughs) But one month, you say, no, I'm a man. That man will think I'm a thief. As if you're not a thief. Because right now only that man we know. Today only that man we know. You say I no go here. Okay, at the end of one month. That's why you know. Say you you be surprised. I how the one small constable he investigated the case, packed everything. Before they finish arresting you, they've charged you to court. The one stupid reporter who does he has not reported anything in recent times. That's the guy goes comes to court. You now say, Deacon, <laughs> charged to court for $300,000 fraud, pleads not guilty. Then he will tell your life story. The name of the church, when you were ordained. Then, then we'll be following the story as it develops. Or more. Then when your friends start calling you, call your own bill. Oh boy, ah, I just bought this paper. Is it you? Say, bros, I just got. I told you that month. Make a long story short. He will clean the matter up after a year and a half. By that time, eh, next time they say, Thief Money, say, lie, lie in Jesus' name. Because you won't die. You will not, like Solomon, like David, you will not die. Nevertheless. That sword, what a matter they say. Please, let's cleanse ourselves of what? All defilement. There are consequences for disobeying God. We don't just get away freely. People, you know, there's what I call an, the abuse of First John chapter one verse nine. If we shall confess our sins, I say we don't have to forsake them. There is no confession without repentance. There is no faith without repentance. I will tell the story about David Person. He said that young lady turned away, cried, and ran away. He said many times he kept on praying for her. He said I wish I could tell you that she took the right step, but she never did, as far as he knew. He kept on praying that this girl would do what is right. Because listen to me. This is how following Christ Jesus is. It will cost you something. It cost following Christ costs. It's not oh God. Wait, no, this this does gospel preach as if oh, just come to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Life will just be sweet. If you are suffering before, there will be no more suffering. Listen to me. If you're happy before, we're about to remove the happiness too. Ah, what are you talking about? Was Paul not a happy guy? Saul. So, influential guy. When he gave his life to Christ, what was the first thing they told him? Uh-huh. Saul, so, now that you are my guy. Now, I, let me show you. They will beat you in this place. You hear? Yes, sir. They will flog you here. This place they are going to kill you actually, but I'll raise you up after five minutes. Don't worry about it. Here? She prayed. Can you swim? Paul said to the Lord, no, should I teach you to swim or you will use broken boat? Jesus showed Paul the things he will suffer for his sake. I'm going to give you a word of prosperity. Anybody you lay hands on will prosper. Amen, Paul said. Amen. For you, there are times you won't see food, though. And you can't turn stones to bread. Ah, What about those I preach to? Only the Philippians will remember you. (laughs) They will prosper from your word, but I will allow only the Philippians to remember you. He showed him the things that he will suffer for his sake. Let nobody listen. When I was young, people gave their lives to Christ, the families panicked. They say, I hear you have joined SU. Some say, You're now reborn. There's another word, you never heard that word before. We call it born again. They used to call it reborn. So you have joined the reborn people. And you were like, eh? Uh-huh. One of my one of my well, one of our friends, the father, when he gave his life to Christ, the court members told him, say, uh-huh. so. Chief, uh, Chief, let's just get a name, Chief uh, Gabriel Michael. How are you going to survive without us? They told him that. And guess what? It was, imp- it was difficult. Let me know this word impossible. It was difficult for him to survive. All his businesses, whew, closed. They b- blocked every, where he used to get jobs, contracts, supplies to this and all of that. They blocked everything. Until he couldn't any dime. When I was a child, you know, we went, I was in a boarding house. One day, they arranged, these SU people, they've been there for a long time. They arranged a big bus, carried all of us from our school to another school to go and watch drama. You know, these days, you know how, the kind of drama we watch? Amen. When you sow the seed, amen. I preach the gospel with my limousine. Hallelujah. And you know, and I began to give. Amen. And the Lord began to multiply. And I began to, you know, that's the drama. I gave, I got, I was poor at the beginning of the drama, at the end, I'm Father Abraham. Are you getting my point? You know the drama I watched as a little boy? I still remember that night. I was a small boy. Boarding house. And we were going back, all of us were afraid. By the time we finished the drama, you know how the drama ended? The military man who gave his life to Christ, he was shot at the stake. And then we say, we clapped and we went home. It was a drama on persecution. As it was tied to the stake, they gave him one last chance to renounce the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I will never recant. And they cocked the gun and they shot him, and our drama ended. They packed us back in the bus and went back to school. And I was wondering ah, I'm in trouble. Somebody's gonna shoot me one day. On top of all of will we give a life to Christ. Because we have seen another film: Hellfire. Because if they don't shoot you, you go to hell. So say, shoot me on the earth, let me go to heaven. <laughs> But you know, they say we preach the gospel. and say there's no sacrifice involved. There is, there is the real gospel. There is sacrifice involved. Saul, so, our Paul, he was the first thing he was shown was things that we suffer for. He said, "Can I tell you something about it? Except you are ready for that, you're not a Christian yet. You're not a Christian yet. You think Jesus Christ owes you money? Owes you cars? He buys cars. He gives houses. He gives money. Doesn't owe it to anybody." Listen, he does it. He gives it to you, he has his reasons, and he has his uses. What are we supposed to do? We are to cleanse ourselves of what? All defilement. Every single thing. I've not even gone to my message today. I just want to say, I went a lot of this trying to explain something. That Christians, we need to what? Take our Christianity seriously. Because I was about to talk, start talking about the matter of bitterness. Which, of course, because of the restrictions and all of that we have, I may not be able to get into it today. For those who are wondering, restrictions, we have a coffee in Enugu. (laughs) But anyway, let's still go home on time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So let's just make this short. I've spoken now for just um, under an hour. So why am I saying all of this? So where I was going, actually, why I began that, is to let us know, therefore, that we need to guard ourselves, guard our spirits, I was talking about demons earlier, and I said about it last week. They look around for destinies to destroy. The Bible uses the word, you know, adulteress for that spirit. The adulteress, he says, haunts what? Precious lives. Always looking for destinies to destroy, looking for people to ruin what God planned for them. All right? And demons don't just go anywhere. They don't just go anywhere. What happens is that they target places where they are welcome. So there's an attractive force that you can release or kill off. All right? But if you release that attractive force, they come in, and that's what we're talking about—bitterness. I explained it last time: a lot of anger and bitterness in the hearts of the people, and that's what we saw erupting. And when the um, the, the, um, the what do you call them—the horsemen on red horses—began to ride everywhere. Okay. But I thank God because people are beginning to learn, and in every nation, God leaves the remnants. Not everybody will change. Not everybody right, will hear the truth and walk by the truth. But there are people that God has ordained that they are the ones that will walk in the truth so that he can do what he wants to do. And they are the ones I try to preach to. My preaching doesn't make sense to an average person. They are the ones I'm talking to. They are the ones I'm targeting. They are the ones I'm hoping that they will do what God wants, wants them to do. And then amongst those people, they can change the direction of the riding of the horsemen. They can repel horsemen from riding into this nation. They can. That's just the way God did it. It's not everybody, it's just the people that are his own. They are the ones I'm preaching to. They are the ones that need to cleanse themselves. They're the ones that have to be careful, the kind of spirit. Now, into your individual life, you have absolute control on the evil spirits that can enter therein. If you have bitterness inside you, there are evil spirits that can come into your life. But when it comes to the environment, all right? Like in a country like ours where we are over maybe about two hundred million people, it is not two hundred million people that the, Generally, 200 million people, most of them, lie under the power of the wicked one. They walk in darkness. So what God has done is to plant his own people, what he called remnants. So amongst them, a small proportion, usually a very tiny proportion, and the whole nation will be amazed that they will not be more than a few thousands. And those are the ones God is going out for each time, teaching them his truth, by which they must walk. If they walk by that truth, he will do everything he wants to do. Every single thing he wants to do, he will do. But those ones must be careful that they are not polluted by the things going on around them. They must be very careful that they are not polluted by the things going on around And what we are finding, all right, in recent times, is that much worthiness came into the church. And for that reason, the things that the church is supposed to repel, they are not repelling. Why? Because they drank of the spirit of the age. And that's why we are preaching the way we are preaching to get people to separate themselves. Because you see, you must understand, the whole nation can hang on your behavior. The integrity, the prosperity, the progress of a whole country is hanging upon the behaviors, the mindsets, the thought, the thought processes, the spirits of just a, a number of people. They may not just be a few thousands. And God will say, and there's principles in the scriptures, that if I save Sodom and Gomorrah, it will be because I found 10. 10 righteous could have saved Sodom and Gomorrah. 10, he didn't find and that tells you something. He did not come down until he couldn't find the 10. Because apart from the fact that we saw in that encounter the ability of human beings to pray before God and be heard, but we also saw another thing about the righteousness of God, that it didn't come down until they found they were less than 10. Basically, what am I going to say? God was saying to Abraham, he said, if I find 50, he was saying to Abraham, if, if there were 50, I wouldn't have come down to What about 20? If there were 20, I would not have come down. What about ten? If they were ten, you think I would leave everything I have to do? To come and be tr- patrolling these cities? These dirty places? That's, that's another side to look at it. But if they were there, they would have saved those places. Not, in, not eternally, but temporarily. Until revival will break out. And we always have to head for revival. But I'm preaching to the remnants today, the ten. Kind of, so you know, to speak, sort of speak now. That the whole nation like ours is hanging upon that is what I'm talking about. But I just because of time, let me just end it here. Hopefully, maybe I, I didn't intend for this to go beyond today, but let's just see how it goes. What I want to, I want to just bring out here is that let's be careful. We attract spirits, we repel spirits. But we can do things, we can harbor things in our hearts that attract evil spirits. Satan, if you read your Bible, he was fully responsible you when know, i fully in a particular way now, for um Judas betrayed Jesus Christ. You hear that Satan entered into him. You hear that the devil planted thoughts in his heart concerning the betraying Jesus. But why was he still held responsible? Why didn't God just cast Satan into hell into a lake of fire for that? He was going to go there anyway. But why was Judas held responsible? Because what made Satan able to enter into his life, into his heart was something that Satan found there. That same devil, that same Satan, could not enter the heart of Peter. That same devil could not enter the heart of James. That devil was there. He saw Andrew. He couldn't do anything about him. Matthew. All of these, but they were there. Why didn't he enter them? Why did he enter Judas? Because, said simply, I've chosen you twelve. One of you is a devil. So devils enter devils. You get my point? The devil enters devils. They have to have a heart that can receive him. And as long as I pause, let's just read this, and then I'll close with it. Like I said, I really don't want to speak for too long. Let's close on time. Uh, Okay, let's read um, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's just read that one. I'll I'll refer to another one. Let's read Hebrews chapter 12 first. Let me see where I read that from. From verse... um, He said from verse 14, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Let's just finish reading that portion. That's actually where I wanted, verse 15. But let's read verse 16, That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought sought for it with tears. Now, I just wanted to read that, okay? The, The fact that Paul said to us here, that bitterness troubles people. That bitterness can spring up. Another thing, you know that it's a root. That's where I was going. It's a root. It's not a tree. It's not a branch. It's a root. That is, it locks in there. When you see it outside, you will not know what is going on. You will not know where it began from. It is hidden. The trunk looks different. The branches look different. The leaves look different. But the root is bitterness. It is important that we understand that point. We have to fight it. Let me end with this story, which I have told many times. I watched it on TV one day. That's where I wanted to start from, but thank God for how we, how we got here. Once I watched TV... A documentary by Christiana Manpo of CNN. She followed a young man who was on death row. She followed him for years until he was executed in Texas. In fact, at the end of it, we saw his corpse. All right, he was killed by lethal injection. Now, America has a funny legal system which only God understands. There's the only people that I know that is in civilized countries that execute minors. That is is executed for a crime you committed while you are a minor. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Now I don't know. I don't know how they arrived at that. But let's make a long story short. This boy shot somebody at age of 17. Now the strange part of it, which is why I tell the story, was that he was a good boy. He was not somebody who was into crime. He was not. He was, you know, a star student. He was a he was a captain. If you know the way they behave there, to be captain of your uh, 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 high school basketball team is not just about being able to play. You have to be a responsible person. He was a captain of the team. Yet one night of his graduation from high school, he and his friends, they went out to party and play. Then one of them had an idea. He said, well, dude, let's go steal a car. He didn't know that was the end of his life starting. So they pulled over an elderly white man and his wife who were traveling back home after going to see their children and grandchildren. And the idea, let's steal a car, I don't know where a gun came from. He was the one who pulled out the driver, cocked his gun, the man the man to lie on the lie on the ground. The man laid on the ground. He cocked his gun and fired the old man and killed the man. And told his friend, shoot the he called the woman one, you know, one name and shoot her. And the friend, like, what? Shoot who? For what? That was not the idea. Make it also short. The man was dead. Of course, it didn't take them time. Police caught all of them. Heard the whole story. He was the one that shot that man. And they put him on trial. Tried him as an adult. Found him guilty. Sentenced him to death by lethal injection. And then he began to plead for his life. And his family began to plead. They did everything. He begged. Saw one of the court sessions in which he begged. He said, I'm sorry. He, he was crying. But the judge didn't listen. They couldn't get the governor to do anything about it, and he was executed. But why I tell the story was a point in which Christiana uh, Christian Mampo was interviewing him. Why? Why did you shoot the man? He said, I don't know. He said, I can't even say it's my friends. He said, how could he be my friends? I'm the leader. Among, he said it. He said, I'm the leader amongst them. I'm the captain of the, our basketball team, for goodness sake. I'm the one that will influence my friends. They don't influence me. Why he said he does not know? As he was saying it, now I'm not saying the Holy Spirit told me, it just because of years of learning and understanding, I got my answer. I believe it was the Spirit of God, because as he was saying it, I just said, no, no, he doesn't understand. He shot a white man. If that driver was a black man, he would not have shot. If that driver was a Latino, he would not have fired. Why did they shoot that man? Listen, let me, I'll give it to you like this. It is the anger in the heart of the typical black American against the white man that bubbled over. I told you bitterness is a root. That's why he couldn't understand why. Until they executed him, he, he was on death row for years. Until he was executed, he did not know why he did it. He didn't need money. They were just split. Do you get my point? They were just playing. Bad play. That is why you have to take heed to your spirit. You have to take heed to your spirit. You don't let bitterness stay inside there. You don't let bitterness stay inside there because what it produces. That's why <laughs> one pastor in America, his wife took a gun and she killed him. They were both pastors of a church. When the people heard the church, they were shocked. Pastor is dead. Who killed him? His wife. Not accidental discharge. She took the gun, cocked it, aimed at her husband, shot him several times, and he died. And they were pastor in a large church We were confused. They looked like the perfect couple. But you know what they call bitterness? When it springs up, it troubles people. My time is gone for today. I hope to pick it up from this particular point. I, I had not hoped to go beyond. I was. I had hoped that next time I just go back to our series on power to, for wealth. But now this has pushed me into this. We well, thank God. But bitterness is terrible. Why are people bitter? Sometimes for unjust reasons. Sometimes for what will appear like just reasons. Unjust reasons. An example. What's the name of our guy? The first son of Adam and Eve. Cain. Bitterness. He killed Abel. What did Abel do against him? Nothing. Unjust reason. Why should God accept your sacrifice and not accept my own? There are some that appear just. There are people that their land land was taken from them by another set of people. And they are not landless. So they are bitter, humanly speaking, for just reasons. Or for a just reason. Whether just or unjust. You know what? Bitterness is what? Bitterness. It's a root. It causes all kinds of things. It attracts evil spirits. That's why Ed Cole, if you get Ed Cole's book, I don't know the title of the book, but I read a number of his books. There's one in which he talked about the power of release. And he called it Forgiveness. He showed how young men, young women, how their lives are messed up because of anger against their parents. So you see young boys, he hates his father like eh? If I catch this man, I will kill him. You need know that he's dead already. He's still angry. The father was an alcoholic, he used to maltreat everybody at home, including their mother. They suffered in his hands. There's only one problem. The man has left his life now. And you know what? He's slowly becoming like the man. The man who he hates everything he stood for. He's now in his late 30s. He has started drinking. He never used to drink. Now he hangs out with his friends, drinks once in a while. Then he looks back over his life. In the last one year, he drinks heavily and he drinks every day. Then last week, he beat his wife and almost killed her. Gave his son one dirty slap. The boy had to have a stitch in the hospital. Ah, wait. He looked. I have become exactly like my father, who I despise so much. And the coach said, you know why? Because of the anger and bitterness you held against the man. It's inside you. So it brought out his evil spirit from his grave. And the spirit said, where do I go? There is a house here where I am welcome.'" There's one, one cartoon I see on TV. I see kids watch once in a while. I wanted the name of the cartoon, so you won't go and start looking for it. But in that cartoon, the people get akumatized. An evil butterfly will possess somebody. But I noticed something, but I said, whoever wrote this has some sense. You know why? The butterfly, the evil person, always looks for the angry person around. A child has been hurt. An adult that feels neglected. He looks for a broken spirit. A bitter spirit to enter. When I saw it, I said, Whoever wrote this has some spiritual sense. Bitterness attracts what? Evil spirits. Now say that the person has been acclimatized I find it so funny. <laughs> it's, it's children's cartoon, but there's a, a truth in it. Edco says, How do you release such a person? He says call forgiveness. So how do you spell release? And release is spelled. Who can spell release? F-O-R-G-I-V-E-N-E. E S S. So that is the spelling of release. You have to get free from bitterness, so that you will not attract evil spirits into your life. Very additional, the press secretary. What is his rank? He holds in the press presidency. And you know, these guys—they have all kinds of press people. Somebody will be a minister for information. There's a special, senior special assistant for information, and then there's a press secretary. I don't know. If everybody's talking to us. Anyway, he says something that is so true. I know it's not a liked Nigerian. A lot of southern Nigerians don't like him for many reasons. But when he made that statement, I said, This is the word of God. He said, if This country ever breaks, no one thing broke it. It is anger. That people are just angry. Let me put my own words now. They are bitter at each other. He said, if The country breaks, this is what broke it. Not a particular head of state, not a government policy. He said, bitterness. They are able to have had bitterness in their souls for decades. But like I said, God heals nations not by healing every individual, but by touching his remnants that are found inside there. Let me stop it here. I'm happy I got to this point. Hopefully, if the Lord allows us, we'll pick it up from that particular point next time. Let us pray. Let us give the Lord thanks. Let us give the Lord thanks for the truth that He has shared with us today. Let us say, Lord, we thank you. Let us say, Lord, we thank you. I want us to close in the next few minutes.
1: Let's give the Lord thanks again for his word. Say, Lord, I am grateful that you have sent your word to me. Thank you. Thank you. Please pray. Please pray. Maybe and white pastor was teaching you need to repent. I'd like you to do that quickly. God is more willing to forgive you than to judge you. So ask that the Lord will show you mercy. In areas where, you know, you know that area that you keep falling and falling, just ask and say, Lord, again, I repent. I repent. I ask for grace. Help me in the name of Jesus. Pray. Pray. And maybe you don't even know that there's bitterness in your heart. I'd like you to pray like David asked us to pray. uh, Like David prayed in Psalm 139. He said, Lord, reveal my heart to me. If there is bitterness in me, Lord, reveal it. Sometimes you don't even know that it's there, but just pray and say, Lord, if there's bitterness in me, reveal it. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, let's share the grace in fellowship. Today's your first time of coming. Uh maybe we'll have the time to welcome you on Tuesday, so we encourage you to come again on Tuesday. Let's share the grace in fellowship, one two, three. Let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely we are passed out of death, we are passed into life, we are passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out of under the curse into the blessing. All things are passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and we walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is a season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Sure, brethren, see you on Tuesday.